Vulnerability is the price of art. Yes, it's right? okay. Are you willing? It's a good price. Like, yeah, it's like you, you have to decide. Like, do you want your art? Do you want to do this? And if so, the are you willing to pay the price of being vulnerable? So welcome to another episode of Sitting at the Table, the only podcast where we have a trained therapist turned professional composer and a trained musician turned professional therapist <laughs> turned composer. Trained yes, professional therapist. <laughs> yes, <laughs> oh. something. Yeah, it's something. We're, sh- we're sharing, but the only podcast where we share our opinions on movies that we love and share lessons that film composers can learn that just movie nerds or music nerds can learn. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this episode is something pretty special. It's one of my favorite all-time movies. I think I'd say that every episode, but this time we are doing Princess Mononoke, another Studio Ghibli film. Actually, I think it's... I don't know. It, 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 this It's a contender for my number one favorite Studio Ghibli movie. So far, it's my favorite that it's, I've seen. Incredible. It's very good. (laughs) Right? So if you've been with us before, you know the drill by now, right? We've each picked three scenes that we think have something to teach young composers. Uh, We're going to go one at a time, share our opinions, share our thoughts, discuss them, and just have some fun along the way. If you could do us a favor, if you are listening to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Audibles, Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and rate it. That does wonders for getting this in front of other people. But with that being said, let's get started. All right. So um, I believe your first scene was before my first scene. So why don't okay. we start that one? Yeah. So my first scene is going to be a really fun one. Mm-hmm. Um, squeaky chair. We are going to go to, we're going to go meet the tree spirits and we're going to Ooh. follow them to the spring. Awesome. Good mm-hmm. one. turn around now. I wonder, did I ever mention that no humans have ever made it through these woods alive? There's a lovely trail back across the river. The current's too swift for us to get across, and your friend's injuries are very bad. If we don't get him back soon, he doesn't have a chance. Hey, little fellow, are you showing us the way, or just getting us more lost? trying to help us get home. Oh my god, there's thousands of them. Look at that, that must be their mother. A fine old tree. Okay. I love these seasons. I love so much about this movie. Yeah. The Kodamas are so cute. Yeah, they really are. I wonder if you can get like a bobblehead. Oh, you can. One of them. I think they've got them at Distraders. 
Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So anytime you go to like any kind of movie or like geek store of any kind, there's going to be something Kodama related. Mm. They've got bumper stickers. They've got buttons. They've got it's. Check that out. They're they're pretty iconic. They're one Mm. of the. They're almost like Totoro, Mm -hmm. where they're very frequently kind of just associated with Studio Ghibli. It's almost like a branding kind of thing. Oh, okay. So yeah, anywhere where there's going to be an appreciation for these movies, you're going to find something. Good to know. Good to right? know. We got to get yeah. something for the backdrop. Not sponsored by Disc Traders, but if they want to. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. I love Disc Traders. I love that. Yes. I love Disc Traders. We spent too much time there. They, there do. it's, I don't know if, like, I don't know how big of a chain they are, but. Yeah, that's true. I, I love. I want to yeah. say I think that they're. I don't know. I want to say that I think that they're like at least nationwide. I don't know. If you're from another part of the States, let us know. Yeah, let us know if you know what Disc Traders is. But anyway. Yeah, so this was a really interesting one. I, th- I think the reason I chose it is because, again, if anybody understands, like, the game Pikmin, it reminded me a lot of the music <laughs> from Pikmin. Like, some of it. Like, some music from Pikmin is, like, really melodic mm-hmm. and beautiful and pretty, like, the Forest of Hope. Mm-hmm. And then there's other, like, um, there's, in the first one, if you're familiar with the game, this won't make sense to you if you don't know the game. But um, it's kind of got this, like, beautiful bouncy type of mood so mm-hmm. like i think it's supposed to signify like safety and like happiness yeah um but there's like a layer of like unsettling under it yeah <laughs> and i think that, and, and i don't know exactly i think maybe it's a combination of sort of like the like the ethereal like drone yes type sound coming could be underneath. maybe maybe it's darker harmony maybe yeah and I, I also noticed that the i also noticed that the melody was a little disjointed oh yeah definitely. so which is a pretty common th- i mean at least in my experience, it's a pretty common thing in, like, even Japanese video games. Like, there tends to be a lot of, like, disjointed melodies. Oh, yeah. Um, and and from what I've noticed in, like, movies, but they're so far. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so I think that it's really... But I think that the thing I wanted to focus on particularly was I think that there's something with that sort of ethereal sound mixed with some bounciness that, is- that created a really unsettlingly pretty vibe. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Pretty. I, exactly. I, yeah. Because yeah. I hadn't noticed that until you pointed that out. But they do have two kind of different tropes going on right now. Joe Hisaishi has combined two common tropes in film music. One is like the pizzicato strings and like the wooden percussion, like xylophone, uh, marimba, uh, plucked strings, short staccato, woodwinds, stuff like that. Those are very frequently associated with playful music. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you want to have something be a little more lighthearted, more. Uh, more kind of comedic almost you use lots of these like you said bouncy sounds yeah plucking the strings you're playing with like uh soft wooden percussion stuff like that but there's also like you said this kind of ethereal kind of harmony that's a little bit of a drone underneath it which is used more for kind of mystical otherworldly things that's very common mm-hmm. in kind of magical settings to use drones and like synth sounds yeah and here joe hisaishi has like combined both and I hadn't noticed that, but that's really mm-hmm. cool. It creates that both the sense of like magical otherness mm-hmm. and kind of a playful mood. Yeah. Well, and if, and, and kind of the emotion sort of like setting this whole thing up, right. Is we're mm-hmm. looking at the, we're looking at the little forest spirits and we're kind of thinking like, okay, Akatashi trusts them, but this other. Ashitaka. Oh, Ashitaka. Yeah. Did I write that wrong? <laughs> no, I didn't. I just remembered it's, it wrong. Uh, yeah, ADHD. <laughs> Ashitaka. Um, so Ashitaka recognized it. Yeah. But... Oh, um, 
Ashitaka recognized it, and he like knew what to look for. Yeah. But the other guy is was like a completely like new thing for him. He's like, oh my god, no, this is scary. Right. Um, so I, I think it was kind of a nice way to sort of like because I don't know. Do you? I, I feel like maybe Ashitaka had a little bit of like doubt too. Maybe there was a little bit of doubt there, and maybe that's why it was sort of like an underlying. I don't know. So we should probably let people know. Once again, this is like the first time you've seen this movie. Yeah. All right. So we alternate who picks the movies. Mm-hmm. And I often pick movies that you've never seen because yes. movies I've wanted you to watch for years. And so I've used this you podcast. You want your friend to watch something, make a podcast with them and then tell them <laughs> that we're going to just analyze all these things about things that the two of you love, which is movies in our case. It's a and simple then, step. Yeah. And well, that's all just, you got to do. And then just, you know, take them to the couch. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to make you watch a Sherlock Holmes movie next. Yeah. Um, well. But uh, no, no, no. So. So we were saying, oh, yeah, the, the reason why it's a little unsettling. Mm-hmm. I think Ashitaka's character is he comes from like a tribe or a culture that reveres the spirits. And so when he comes to this side of the country, when he journeys west and finds a people who openly despise the spirits, who find mm-hmm. themselves at war with the spirits... It's a bit of a culture clash. So I do like we get a bit of those two combined. We have the playful spirit, which is more like the reality of these particular spirits. Mm -hmm. They're friendly. They're fun. Ashitaka trusts them to guide them through. And the other guy is kind of terrified because there is that sense of these are wild spirits. These are things that he doesn't trust that he's actively fought against. In fact, the whole reason why he's banged up is because they got attacked by wolf spirits. Right. So it is kind of... I didn't mean to like... No, no, it's okay because I mean it makes sense because I, like I said, I this is the first time I've seen it, so mm-hmm. um, I just kind of sensed that there was. I mean, because you could kind of tell he was like tired, and there was a little bit of that too. Because mm-hmm. I mean, it was like a strenuous journey, obviously. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I think that the I think that the take home is, um, you know, kind of noticing sort of like mixing that bounciness with the uh, with the ethereal yeah. like drone esque sound creates a really weird vibe. It's kind of interesting. And, oh, I, yeah. and, and I would encourage you to like, you know, when you're when you're playing with these things, really, really play with them, right? Like play with the sounds and really kind of see like what happens. Because like I said, you know. Find I, all the emotions. Yeah, find all the emotions, find all the vibes, anything that you can, you know, think of. Think of, like I've said in the past, fill the air with something. Fill yeah. the space in the scene with something. That obviously is open to interpretation. Maybe you don't need to fill the air. Like just before yeah. when they're kind of when the guy was freaking out um, about the tree spirit, yeah. there was no music. Yeah. And it was because it was like, hold on, this is new. <laughs> right. Oh, that's something that we've talked about a lot in previous podcast episodes is the mm-hmm. need to dive deeper. Yes. To go beyond the initial first impression mm-hmm. um, and to find out what else is in the scene. Because Joey right. says she could have just gone. With just the ethereal, mystical sense of something other, something different, something exotic and slightly dangerous. And had it be a very tense kind of journey where we don't know to trust these. He could have also gone with the perfectly kind of playful sound. And that would have worked just fine because that's Mm -hmm. more on the surface. We have these funny little creatures running around. They're smiling. They're carrying each other on their back to mimic Ashitaka and the ox driver. Mm -hmm. Um, it could be a playful scene, but by combining those two elements, we get something that feels much more of the story, something more right. personal. Mm-hmm. You get that sense of both, yes, this is kind of a fun, cute little experience, but at the same time, you can't separate that from this is a completely different world. Mm-hmm. This is not yeah. just any forest. This is the forest spirit's kingdom. This is his right. area. This is his forest. And so this is not a human area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like that. I had not noticed that. I've seen this movie so many times. I'd never 
I'd never actually, I've never actually dived that deep into this scene. This is one of the things I'm like, ah, oh, it's just fun little music. Just fun little music, yeah. Right. It's never just fun little music. No. Moral story. Right? <laughs> Not if it's a good soundtrack. Exactly. Right. Awesome. So my cue is actually the scene immediately after this. Hmm. All right. Ashitaka's first experience at the pool of the forest spirit nice. and the wolf gods and all of those creatures. All right. Um, yeah. So let's go listen. As we listen to this. As we or if you're listening from home on like Spotify or something, or if you're watching on YouTube, as we follow this scene, I want you to pay attention to how the music develops. Uh, in particular, I want you to pay attention to how the energy of the music grows because we're going to be talking about that afterwards. But enjoy the scene, enjoy the music. Just pay attention to the energy. This place is magical. of those wolves and the girl with them. This place must be where the four of them live. Sir, I think maybe we took a wrong turn somewhere? This is a place for gods and demons. I think we're safe. We'll rest a bit. More tracks? Whatever made these, made them recently. Sir, what's going on? Are you all right? And we'll stop there. All right, so there's so much that we can talk about with this one scene, but oh yeah. What I want to focus on is how dynamically that music shifts. All right, so we start out with some drones, some kind of creepy sound, because right now we are in the heart of the other kingdom, right? The other kind of world. Like the mm -hmm. ox driver says, this is a land for gods and demons. All right, so we are in this area. We got this kind of creepy music, these drones. It sounds to me like a bass clarinet doing some weird sounds. Um, and then... The first time we see the tracks of the forest spirit, mm -hmm. we get this much more larger, lush kind of statement by a full orchestra. It's very short-lived, and it comes right back down to just these thin kind of textures, these thin little sustained chords as we look around in the suspense of what's coming. And then, again, it kind of grows and waxes and wanes, and it 
shift sizes. The thing I want to pay attention to is that the music here is dynamic. Mm -hmm. It grows, it shrinks, it shifts, it changes textures. And this is very important and something that often gets overlooked by young composers. It's a very kind of easy mistake to write a piece of music and just not shift it. Mm. All right, you get to a certain level, you build up, and then you just stay with that constant level of energy because it's simple. It comes naturally. But music becomes incredibly stale, incredibly fast if you don't have shifts in energy. That's why when you're starting out, you'll frequently hear people talk about the importance to modulate or change keys mm -hmm. because that increases the energy or it reduces right. it. Anytime the tonic or the root of your key moves up in pitch, that results in an increase in energy. Anytime it moves down, it tends to have a decrease. Mm -hmm. uh, you can view that as like fighting gravity or going with gravity. Now, you don't have to rely only on harmony. In fact, one of the biggest tools we saw in this scene was just a shift in size. Mm -hmm. All right, so you can use, we've talked about size as a tool for portraying emotions and yeah. how the degree to how overwhelming an emotion is informs the size that your music should have. Now, in a scene, the best way you can help make sure that your music is not getting stale, that it feels lively and dynamic, mm -hmm. is to just mark different spots on the scene. Watch the scene and take notes, all right? This is called the spotting process. Yes. But as you go with a given scene, look for certain moments where you can just write down, oh, get bigger here or get smaller here. Just shifts in energy. Mm -hmm. uh, you could even say get faster here, get slower here. Just take notes where you feel like the scene itself is growing and developing and expressing energy here. Mm -hmm. And you can use your music to track that and make your music, keep your music from sounding stale, make it sound like it's more part of the world you're exploring and just bring more life to the whole thing. Film scoring, we've said before, is a composite art form. Yes. All right, so it's not about the music. It's not about the, it's not about the animation. It's not about mm -hmm. the actors. It's about the whole composite story, everything coming together to create the story. Mm -hmm. And so naturally, your music needs to follow the same kind of energy and tides of the scenes that you're scoring. And that's just something I really, that stuck out to me immediately when we saw this stuff, especially the contrast between kind of the drones and just the lone bass clarinet yeah. up against the large lush kind of string statement that was very short lived, but that marks the first sight of the forest spirits footprints. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just thought that was a really cool kind of tool because that's something that I've struggled a lot or that a lot of my, I should say, my, my students have struggled a lot with and I've worked with them is how do you manipulate your energy? How do you mm -hmm. get started? They'll build up, they'll start, they'll get big and then they just have no idea where to go from there. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, a couple of different tools to like give more life to your music. Uh, watch the scene and just take notes. At what point do you feel like your music should get bigger? At what point do you think your music should get smaller? At what points do you think there should be more movement, less movement? Do you think there's mm -hmm. times where the tone needs to change? Just mark things like that. Those are some good starting points. And then as you write your music, just brainstorm strategies like that. If you need right. to get bigger, add more instruments or maybe just get louder. If you need to get smaller, remove instruments, get quieter. Right. Or if you need to change the tone, maybe swap instruments. Here we went from like like weird synths and maybe like a choir or a choir synth and a low bass clarinet. And then when the mood shifted and we saw the footprints of this forest spirit, suddenly much more lush, lively mm -hmm. strings, full orchestra kind of thing. Then it comes back down when we're looking around. 
something is here. Right. Creepy energy. Size goes down. You're trying to hide, keep yourself small while you mm-hmm. look for any threats. And then there's the tension, this, the uh, kind of the synths, the pads that are going on. Yes. And I'm kind of repeating myself at this point. But the idea is be creative. Yeah. All right. You trust your gut. Mark where the scene changes. Mm-hmm. Trust your gut. And then just follow just brainstorm ideas and how to match those shifts. Right, right. Be creative. Yeah, I, I don't know why that made me laugh. Like, yeah. Be creative. Just just do that. Um, but, uh, it's generic. I know it's generic, but it is important. No, it is. And, and I mean, and, and that's kind of what I was saying when I was like, sort of like play with it, right? Yeah. So understand that, you know, when you're looking at emotions and scenes and when you're looking at, I mean, everything in scenes, everything is relative. Oh, of right? course. So, you know, contain the scene where it is and, uh, you know, and, 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 uh, drum up the appropriate vibe or the appropriate mm-hmm. emotion for that scene as it relates to that scene. Oopsie. As it relates to that scene. I'm very passionate about this. Um, <laughs> smack on the table. <laughs> smack on the table. Smack it again, probably. Um, probably. But, you know, as, as it relates to that scene, you want to understand how intensive an emotion that, yeah. you know, Ashitaka is going... Did I say that right? Yeah. yeah. Ashitaka is going through <laughs> in the context of the scene. This is the first time he's experienced this. Yeah. There are way more intense moments in this movie with oh, music yeah. that isn't as intense as this. Oh, of course. Right? So, and, and I know for me, like, if you're kind of like me and you get stuck in, like, the... You get stuck in, like, kind of trying to assign everything a standardized value. It just doesn't work. It doesn't. It no. really doesn't. You can... It's a good the way more to you, start. Yeah. Yeah, to get yeah. you thinking, but yeah. Yeah, but the, the more you, you know, if you limit yourself to just the scene, you can really make some magic happen. Oh, Don't think sure. about, like, the rest of, you know, how does this fit in and all this stuff. Like, score the scene. I you love know? that you brought up. So the idea yeah. of score the scene, don't worry about the other. That's actually got its own name. Oh, really? That's a super important tenet. I think we've talked about it. The principle of immediacy. Oh, How nice. the number one priority of film music, number one, is focus on what's happening right now. Yes. All right. Yeah. You can worry. You can you can think about like comparing it to other scenes and stuff. That that's fine. But what's most important is if you're paying attention to what's happening right now. Yep. Because your audience, first time they watch the movie, they're not going to be thinking, oh, this is the fifth time I've heard this theme. Right. Let's right. compare the times it's happened. It was in this scene, and then we saw it over here, mm-hmm. and the emotions were different. This way. No, they're not going to analyze it. Unless you have an audience that's full of jerks. Of but. course. And they're looking for something. <laughs> Which is always possible, right? but, I mean, or just on the whole... Enthusiastic yeah. People. yeah. But, um, Probably not going to happen, though. No, no, of course not. But what they will notice 100% of the time is if your music doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. If they can say right now, this doesn't work, it's going to take them right out of the film. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the principle of immediacy is so important. Because people won't be able to tell what you did to help tell the story long-term and linearly, how you used your themes, how you used your instruments and such. They're not going to notice that until after they've done seeing the movie the first time. Or at least right. most people. Sometimes music nerds like us are going to notice, oh, that's so cool, <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> seeing things return, like when you hear the hero's theme again, you're like, yeah, get out of town. Let's do it. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> or whatever it is. But... Whatever people say. I can't right? believe. I can't believe I just said get out of town. <laughs> hey, you know what? Something if, if it's that good. <laughs> of course, of course. Anyway, yeah, so yeah, music nerds will freak out at times like that. But most people, your average person, isn't gonna notice that unless they watch a YouTube video later that tells them about it. But they are going to notice 100 percent of the time if the music doesn't fit what's happening on screen. Exactly. And that's the principle of immediacy. So always prioritize the emotions over everything else. You can add themes and that's cool stuff. 
There are other principles, subordination, and uh, I always forget one of them. And the last time it was subordination that I forgot, so I made sure I didn't forget. It was like, subordination and representation or representality or whatever it is. It starts with an R. It's something around that, the idea that music can take on meaning. Right. Um, but those are cool, but immediacy is the most important principle. If you hit what's happening on screen right now, the score will work. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love that you were talking about focus on the scene. Focus on what you have now. Yes. All right. And like we said, trust your instinct. And that's tricky if you overthink it. Mm-hmm. But honestly, because we've talked about the importance of gesture right yeah. before, the musical metaphors. And I've gotten a couple of questions from people going, how do I find good musical gestures? And it's really just about get out of your head. Mm-hmm. All right. I wish I could give something better than that. But the one thing you can do is spend time studying the story. The more you know, the more inspiration you can take. Right. But if you just get a gut feeling like, oh, I could have the trumpet to do this. Or, oh, I really like the idea of just having some low energy here to kind of reinforce, like, the power of the area. That's a gut instinct. That's Mm -hmm. an idea you came up with. That's a gesture. Just go with that, all right? Mm -hmm. Trust your instinct. If you have an idea, it's probably going to work. Just commit to it. Don't overthink it. Right. And I was just going to say, you know, that's a good way to do that is to – a really good way to kind of, like, do that is to fester in it. Yeah. And sit in it for just a second. So, like, you can – you know, anything. I, I want to hit the table, but I don't want to, I don't want to clip the audio or, or, yeah. or but please don't that would make it difficult. Uh, imagine, you know, imagine if I were to just, you know, we're talking and we're having a good conversation mm-hmm. out of nowhere. I just slammed on the table and looked at you like that and just kind of stared at you. Yeah. You get a pretty good idea of what you're feeling mm-hmm. like that. Oh yeah. Pretty quick. You get a reaction. Yeah. Now some of us might, you know, and, and I'm going to kind of talk to, I'm going to try to broaden this. Some of us, it might take a second yep. and that's okay. Some people have, and this is like a thing, like some people have delayed onset reactions to things and that's not like, you know, some people will, some people will experience something and they won't really have like an idea what it feels like until maybe a little bit later. So if that's you, spend a second, think about it, you know, really notice your sensory inputs with it. Like, what did it sound like? Was it pleasant? You know, is this something, and if you can't really quite figure all that out, like, is this something that I would like to happen all the time to me? If yes, then it was probably a good thing. Yeah. If no, then it was probably very like disorienting and, and not great. So, you know, kind of go down each of your senses, your sights, your smells, your hearing, yes. your your touch, your I mean you can lick the table, I guess, if you want, but or you can lick whatever is <laughs> giving you the sensory well, I mean, experience, yeah. but they might if it's a person, probably don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's someone else's property, don't do it either. <laughs> yeah. But no, that, that is important. We've talked about the senses that. before. <laughs> Like your emotions are a, are a tool through which you understand the world around you. Yes. Exactly. All right. And our senses are what allow us to perceive the world around us. So one of the best ways to explore emotions is to explore your senses surrounding those emotions. That's what, something I teach my students all the time. Um, you have those, you go through your five senses, all right? Mm-hmm. Touch, taste, feel, smell, and hearing. Yes. Not all of those are going to be literal. For example, most of the time, if I'm talking about scent or taste, I'm going to end up focusing on my own breathing. Or maybe I'm noticing that I'm clenching my teeth or something. Right. Uh, But sometimes you'll have it. But you just go through the experience of that emotion and try to describe what do you see? What are are your eyes doing? And then there's two types of emotions. There's the uh, senses that we can go deeper. like Or the organic sensory or your experience of your own body. Mm -hmm. Like, is your heart beating faster? You're noticing your breathing pattern is weird? Is your skin itching? Stuff like that. Right. Or your... uh, Kinetic, I think, or kinesthetic, or something like that. Uh, For which one? The world around you. Experience, like you're, you're uh, the environment around you. What kind of environment are you on? What things are around you? 
so they're they're not necessarily two separate senses. They're ways of exploring your other senses. Like exploring your body in space? Or are you talking about... Possibly exploring your body in space. But the idea is like, what people are you around? What what environment are you in? What sounds you know? So it's not necessarily its own dedicated sense. These are just two ways that I teach people to explore their five senses. It is its own dedicated sense. That's right. We've it's talked about proprioception. That. Oh, well, yep. there you go. Yep. Um, it's your sixth sense about the environment that you're in. Anywho. So. Anywho. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, the point behind all of this is if you take the time to explore your senses, mm-hmm. it gives you sources of inspiration. All right. So for this scene, if you were to put yourself in Ashitaka's shoes, all right, and you were to explore, like, what do you see? Mm-hmm. You could talk about the trees. You could talk about the water. You could talk about the footprints, mm-hmm. right? You could talk about how dark and closed off the areas. If you talk about what you feel, you could talk about the soft ground. You could talk about the weight of the guy you've been carrying. Mm-hmm. Um, you could talk about uh, sights of hearing. You could talk about the sound of the water, the sound of the kadobas or the little animals or spirits all around you. Right. There are so many things you can talk about and write down. And then use that as sources of inspiration. Mm-hmm. So for like the constant water, maybe that was one of the sources of inspiration for like the constant like ethereal kind of drones in the background to mimic that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not in his head. Um, I probably would have, sc- I would definitely would have scored the scene differently because I'm a different composer. But the more information you gather, the more sources of inspiration you have. So mm-hmm. if you were to go through here with a full description of the forest, of the characters and what they're experiencing, what they see, what it's like to be in that moment, you'd have a lot more to work with than if someone told you, hey, I've got the protagonist carrying an injured person and they've just walked into a clearing of spirits. Mm-hmm. Write it. Get music for it. Right. Right. You could probably do something with that, but not nearly as much as you can with a distinct description. That's what I always recommend for my students is start with your senses. All right. It's useful. And if you don't like writing things down, you can record yourself talking about it. You might feel silly doing it. That's fine. Creativity, in essence, is itself a vulnerable experience. It is an embarrassing experience. You are creating something new. So if you want to be a film composer, you have to get used to the idea of feeling embarrassed or vulnerable. It's fine. Mm-hmm. All right. It's you're not going to be. Well, maybe you'll get hurt if you're working with a jerk. Mm-hmm. But but they're more hurt than you. Yeah, they're more hurt than you. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's important because if you're not willing to make yourself vulnerable, you're never going to be will able to create anything meaningful. Right. Because if you cre- if you're if you allow yourself to be open and try new things and be more vulnerable and write something that's truer to who you are and the work you put into it, mm-hmm. then of course that's going to be up to critique more than say, oh, I was just trying to imitate my favorite composer style. Exactly. If you try to imitate their style, then all right, and people don't like it, it's all right. They just don't like that music, or I didn't do a good enough job trying to imitate it. Mm-hmm. If people don't like something that you personally wrote and made from your own experiences and your own understanding of a story, that's a bit more painful, all right? right? And it's fine. It's okay. Everyone's had those experiences. They are not inherently terrible. They will not kill you. Uh, but you have to leave yourself open to that. I don't know why I'm ranting on this, but mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a real thing. And I mean, you know, I, I think that we, any of us who are going into, I mean, anything. Yeah. Any, whether it's creative or not, you know, we're, we have to be open to criticism mm-hmm. and we have to understand what criticism truly like means for us. Um, some of us with our own self-critics are going to be, you know, and I think I can speak for both of us, we're going to be really attuned to, like, don't listen to it. Just do what you're doing. Do it, you know, because yeah. we have the biggest ones. Trust me. Yep. You know, um, not that we have the biggest ones, but we have <laughs> we have pretty big self-critics. Yep. Um, you know, and, and the beauty in that, you know, if that's something that holds you back is that 
every human being, sparing maybe like 1% of the population, I'll give you a 0.5, 0.5% of the population mm-hmm. has a pretty intense critic that keeps them from doing things. Oh, yeah. And I would say, you know, if you're able to work with yours, people are going to notice that. You know, they might not consciously be like, I noticed that he's working or they're working with their mm-hmm. critic and that, and that makes me feel good about my critic. They won't maybe see it that way, but they'll feel it. Kind of like yeah. the same way that you get the vibes from the movies. Yes. And, and you know, and, and from how we talk about things. Yes. Vulnerability is the price of art. Yes. It's right? okay. Are you willing? It's a good price. Like, yeah. It's like you have to decide, like, do you want your art? Do you want to do this? And if so, the are you willing to pay the price of being vulnerable? Right. It's like it's some people are, some people aren't. And there's no shame in either one. But you just have to understand that that is the price. You're going to communicate a message. Right. That is the price. And are you willing to pay it? So I have no idea if any of that is helpful or useful at all. We kind of went. That's We came a long way from just analyzing the the flow of the music. Well, it it goes deeper, right? Of course. Of course. Yeah. And that was the depth that it took us to. Yes. So, yeah. Excellent. It's all good, baby. Mm-hmm. Wow, those are My only turn. two scenes. Yes, yep, that turn. was two scenes. All right. What's your next one? Um, the next one we are going to uh, we're going to head to. I wrote it down as Wolf Woman because I didn't know who Mononoke was at the time. <laughs> um, we're going to go to the village mm-hmm. when uh, Princess Mononoke is first being confronted by the village. Oh, She's on top when, of the when roof. she attacks. All right, yep, yes, when she attacks. Excellent one. What I want you guys to focus on. I forgot to do that last time, so I'm going to do it this time. Um, I wrote down. Yeah, I actually don't remember. Oh no, there it is. <laughs> I just like I was looking at the second bullet point and then I and then I missed the first one. So this is a very suspenseful scene, and you want I want you to notice kind of like how things start. It starts kind of like spread out a little bit, and then you know, in terms of like there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of tempo change. I think there's a lot of tempo changes. We'll find if, out. Yeah, if there's not a lot of tempo changes, there's definitely a change in energy. Oh, definitely. Um, so you know, kind of like what I talked about if you if you watch the Infinity War episode, if that's out yet. Um, it should be. Yep. So, uh, in, like, just like in that one, there's a lot of winding up. Like, I want you to picture sort of like, you know, like there's a spring of some kind and you're just winding it up and winding it up and winding mm-hmm. it up with all that tension until the conflict arises. And then there's big release. It'd be fun. <laughs> yep. Right. Let's find it. All right. of a wolf's head and it still has the power to bite. What? Take aim where she falls. Right. (laughs) 
open fire. There we go. All right. Fun one. It is a fun <laughs> one. Yeah. So there's actually more variability in that that I remember. Yeah. Um, but what I kind of wanted to focus on, kind of like I said, is there there's a really suspenseful conflict coming. Mm-hmm. And again, this is a very common thing. I don't think we really even need to spend much time talking about it. But um, this is a really common thing, I think, in a lot of like action scenes is kind of like building up to the action, building up to that release. So we're like really winding up and winding up and winding up that tension until there's like, boom, she starts, you know, even when she's running, like the tension's still building. It's not really until she gets like, mm-hmm. it's not really until she gets like shot. Yes. Is, is when there's kind of like a payoff of some kind, you know? Where it cuts out. That happens a lot in Studio Ghibli music. Yeah. Is you'll have a buildup and then the payoff is silence. Mm-hmm. There's a buildup and then it stops. Right. Um, and what was interesting that I noticed, so when I remember this, I remembered it to be a little more like, I remember it being a little more predictable. Mm-hmm. This was kind of unpredictable, actually. There were, he was, there was like a constant, you would hear the do, 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 like constantly. But then there would be some things interspersed in in there based on kind of what was going on. So I guess kind of talking back to that principle of immediacy that you mentioned, mm-hmm. oh, um, yeah. you know, what's happening on the screen right now. And we can combine things, right? And we can kind of look at different, you know, because like this is happening in the context of this other bigger thing going on. Um, but it was just really cool. It was really, I thought it was really, I thought it was really interesting. And then, um, you know, kind of showed sort of the suspense, particularly of Ashitaka. Oh, just definitely. Trying to keep her like, no, don't go. Right. And that's a very common trope with action music, as the fragmented motifs, the short mm-hmm. ideas. Right. So we've got, uh, like you're talking about that rhythmic idea. Dun, dun, da, da, dun. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the underlying repeating idea. And then in between, we have little kind of melodic statements like, ba, 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 bum, ba, 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 bum, or stuff like that. And again, yeah. we've discussed yep. my inability to <laughs> sing things without hearing it. Yeah, could have fooled me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah. So these things pop in and out. And that's a very common trope for action music, mm-hmm. where you can think about high energy. We talked about size and movement being part of energy. For movement, one way you can add more movement is just using shorter notes or crisper articulations. Right. You can create the illusion of faster movement. And this is super common. If you don't want to do like the long lyrical kind of melodies, which are very rare for action scenes, mm-hmm. there are notable ex- exceptions, like, for example, Anakin versus Obi-Wan mm-hmm. in Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. That's a very lush lyrical arrangement. The duel, mm-hmm. uh, not duel of fates, but uh, battle of the heroes. Battle of the heroes, yeah. Um, beautiful music. So that's a kind of exception. But for the most part, action-oriented scenes will use short rhythmic ideas. And whether that's a short fragmented melody or a quick burst of a motif, then rest or mm-hmm. filler, then a short burst of motif again, then more rhythmic filler. That's much, much more common. And I would say if there's an exception, there's typically a good reason. The idea of Obi-Wan and Anakin, that was a much, much more tragic right. type of action than just a battle sequence like this where mm-hmm. there's violence. And this isn't this also isn't the climax of the movie. Right. But it's it's very interesting to kind of point that out how the energy and the movement is used. Mm-hmm. Now, I know we spent a lot of time on the last scene. So do you have anything else to say <laughs> or should we move on? On this one? Um no, no. I basically just wanted to touch on the the urgency of Ashitaka and just kind of simultaneous like the the conflict buildup. So it was oh, beautiful, yeah. like that buildup. It's a great example of scoring to energy and tension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It was awesome. awesome. So my second scene is the first time that we see the Nightwalker. The Nightwalker being the nighttime uh, version of the forest spirit. Same mm-hmm. spirit, just different forms during night and day. Um, 
So as we watch this, the thing I want you to pay attention to is how the music is used underneath dialogue because there is a lot of important dialogue happening in this scene. We are understanding one of the like one of the reasons behind a lot of the underlying conflict mm-hmm. in this one scene. So pay attention to the dialogue and listen to how Joe Saishi navigates having music underneath it to enhance the emotional experience without getting in the way of it. Let's find it. Mm-hmm. Come and see. Hurry. Quick, you idiots. It's the Nightwalker. He's the reason we've been sitting around in these stinking animal skins, you know? But, sir, we can't. It's a sin to look at it. Huh. And you call yourself the greatest hunter in the West. Look, we've got a letter of pardon from the Emperor, forgiving us for cutting off the head of the great forest spirit. The legends tell us that when day becomes (laughs) night... The forest spirit turns into the Nightwalker. And at sunrise, it changes back. Look, see there? It's happening. stop there all right so in the scene we get a little bit of dialogue but it's super important mm-hmm. right, so there's a lot of conflict going on around in this story but at the base of it the emperor has decided he will reward anyone like a mountain of gold if they can help him live forever and the legend has it that if you eat the head of the forest spirit you're going to live forever you're immortal so he sent out all these hunters to try to take the head of the king of the spirits so that's super important for us to kind of understand this. First, we find out that the spirit, the forest spirit changes forms at night. Mm-hmm. We find out more about the emperor and him pardoning and sending these people out for it. So there's a lot of stuff coming together. It's important that the audience hears and understands this dialogue. And many times that's the case. We've talked about there are three types of sounds in the sonic realm of the movie. There is the dialogue the sound effects, and the music. And as much as we would love to say music is the most important, it's not. In fact, it's the least important, Mm -hmm. all right, of those three. The dialogue 
drives the story forward. So you need to make sure that's heard. Not Sometimes the sound effects aren't most important. In general, what we'll call the important sound effects, Trump music. And those are sound effects that give you information or that come as a surprise. Things that let you know what's happening off screen or let you know that there's something nearby, stuff like that. Yeah. Now, the music can still be used, but we don't want it to get in the way of either of these things. We don't want them to get in, re- in the way of the sound effects or the dialogue. And in this term, we have two. We have the sound effects of the little tree spirits shaking their heads and rattling as a group, welcoming the forest spirit back. And we have these characters who are talking with each other. Now, the way Joe Hisaishi navigates this is brilliant and very kind of a tried and true methodology. And that's to use smaller instrumentation and sustained textures. There are a few little melodic ideas like probably should have dropped that an octave, but <laughs> bo, do, do, whatever. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> Thank you. No. Um, but no, yeah, so you've got a couple melodic ideas like that mm-hmm. coming here and there. Yeah. But none of them happen when they're talking. None of them happen when there's dialogue. And this is a great way to help make sure that the music is still there to create that ethereal, what you so beautifully described as otherworldly and exotic earlier, mm-hmm. and kind of like a little bit like dangerous. There's still that mood there because the music but he avoids getting in the way of the other two elements. Now, I wanted to bring this up because I get this question a lot. How do you score under dialogue? It's a very common issue that young composers start because they learn, all right, you can't get in the way of dialogue, but how do you do that? How do you write music without getting in the way? So there are lots of different strategies. I thought I would share six strategies with you and several of them are used here. Mm -hmm. The first one is to use relatively small instrumentation, right? Small music. We hear some absolutely massive statements in this film. All right, one of my favorite cues of all time, and I say that I feel like every podcast, <laughs> uh, is Journey to the West. That the, Okay, Journey to the West is one of the first Ghibli pieces I ever heard, mm-hmm. like or that I became aware of when I be- wanted to become a film composer. I remember grad school, I was sleeping, and I used to sleep with just music playing on my phone all through the night. And I had like a sleep playlist. And then at the end of the playlist, it would jump to a radio inspired by the playlist. And I remember waking up at like six in the morning to like journey to the West playing. I'm like, ah, I got to grab, fell out of bed, grabbing my phone and trying to make, see, what is this? Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. I was breathtaking. Like, my breath was taken away from me. Mm-hmm. So it has, we have these massive statements is what I'm saying. And then when it comes to the dialogue, we come very intimately down, just sustained chords, which is actually tip number two. All right, sustained chords are very frequently used to help maintain the energy and emotion without getting in the way of dialogue. So mm-hmm. sustained textures, sustained chords, those are very good at setting moods. All right, harmony is incredibly powerful for setting the mood of your music. So if you want to hit that immediacy, enhance the emotions of the scene without getting in the way of dialogue, yeah. chords are good. So soft, like small music, chords, third one soft, kind of goes hand in hand with a small music. You just keep your music on the softer side, softer instruments, strings, synths, choirs, stuff like that. Um, If you don't want to do any of that, another one is predictable. And this is very common in action scenes Mm -hmm. with lots of dialogue, is if you establish a big high energy idea, but make it very predictable, very rhythmic and repetitive, then again, repetition is your strongest tool for making something become background noise. Mm. So if you come up with a rhythmic idea and just repeat it enough times before the dialogue starts, it's not going to compete as much. And that so that works really well. And then last two strategies, so I said I'd offer six, is get rid of the melody. 
All right, whatever you do, no melody. Melodies are new, they develop, they change, they demand more attention. So if you just stick to chords or rhythmic layers or even just kind of background textures, anything that's not necessarily melodic, that fits really well with the dialogue. And the last one being focus on a condensed register. And by that, I mean, if you're going to put in some low voices, stick to just low voices. You're mm-hmm. working with a high voice, stick to only high voices. Um, other than that, another great strategy is just no music at all. But that's a whole other issue that we'll save for another podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can use as many or few of those as you want. Every scene is different. But those are six fantastic strategies you can use and apply to help make sure your music isn't going to get in the way of the dialogue. So those are, again... Small instrumentation, soft instrumentation, sustained chords or textures. Get rid of the melody. Uh, If you are going big and bombastic or any rhythmic in nature, make it repetitive repetitive and predictable. And sixth one, just kind of fit it in a condensed area. Mm -hmm. Stick into low register, stick into the high register, or the middle register, wherever you are, just stick to a condensed little area. And so I wanted to talk a bit more about the technical side of that because we are getting feedback requesting like people were really enjoying Mm -hmm. when we talk about like the technical and like actionable things that you can use for film scoring, which Mm -hmm. speaking of which, if you would like, if you have an idea for what you'd like to see in this podcast or different segments, maybe you want to see more about the psychology, maybe you want to see more about film scoring, fill out the feedback form below. If you're on YouTube, it'll be pinned in the comments. If you're not on YouTube, check out my Instagram at Tabletop Composer. Uh, find it. There's a forum that you can use to give us feedback. It lets us know what we're doing right, what we could do more of. It's an awesome way to help us improve the podcast since it's still very new. Mm-hmm. But awesome. So did you have any points about this scene? About this one? No. I just wanted to point out kind of just how really beautiful... I always, like, struggle to say cinematography in an anime. But, like, I mean, That's cinematography. Fine, I yeah. yeah. The, the cinematography, the art style is just, like, so... Breathtaking. It's like me. It's like, like, I just love it. I feel like it just it's, like speaks directly to my it's heart. It's like you. It's great. It's great. It's just amazing. <laughs> exactly. This is the confidence that you need to have by the time we're done with these with these podcasts. Confident. Right here. Vulnerable right. and confident. And positive. And positive. positivity. <laughs> all, right. all right. All right. Awesome. So what is your next scene? Yeah. So my next scene, um, we are going to go forward in time here. Mm-hmm to Ashitaka talking to the wolf god at night. Ooh, nice. Princess Mononoke sleeps. Now, what am I going to talk to you guys about in this one? It's a very beautiful, you know, it's very... Okay, yeah, I'm I'm just like formulating my words. It's very, um... It's a very beautiful kind of like piece that sort of goes uh, really nicely with sort of like the nighttime vibes, I feel Mm -hmm. like. But... It might be slightly, ever so slightly dysphoric to what the conversation's about. So maybe pay attention to some of that. Pay attention to like kind of what's going on with the scene, but also that we're filling this space. Studio Ghibli just has to fill nighttime scenes yeah. with like nostalgic existential music. So um, kind of yeah. notice that. I would right. say pay attention to that and just kind of notice like the flow. So Excellent. So nice flow. Pay attention to the mood of the music and the mood of the scene, two yes. separately. Mm-hmm. Right? Awesome. Yes. Let's do it.
Nice jump, boy. End it all. As soon as your strength returns, the mark will spread and destroy you. It feels like I must have been asleep for weeks. I had a dream that Sun was by my side, nursing me. I was hoping you'd cry out in your sleep. Then I would have bitten your head off to silence you. It's a beautiful forest. Harakoto and the boars on the move yet? Yes. The boars are marching. The trees cry out as they die. But you cannot hear them. I lie here. I listen to the pain of the forest and feel the ache of the bullet in my chest. And I dream of the day when I will finally crunch that gunwoman's head in my jaws. Moro, why can't the humans in the forest live together? Why can't we stop this fighting now? The humans are gathering for the final battle. The flames of their guns will burn us all. And what happens to San? What's your plan, to let her die with you? Typical. Selfish. You think like a human. San is my daughter. She is of the wolf tribe. When the forest dies, so does she. You must set her free! She's not a wolf, she's human! Silence, boy! How dare you speak to a god like that? I caught her human parents defiling my forest. They threw their baby at my feet as they ran away. Instead of eating her, I raised her as my own. Now, my poor, ugly, beautiful daughter is neither human nor wolf. How could you help her? I don't know. But at least we might find a way to live. How? <laughs> will you join forces with Sun and fight the humans? No. All that would do is cause more hatred. There is nothing you can do, boy. Soon the demon mark will spread and kill you. Now leave this place at sunrise. Return, and I shall kill you. That is incredibly dysphoric, right? I never noticed that. You get... I always get lost in just how beautiful the music is. Right. And yep. then you realize this entire time, the conversation. This is horrifying. <laughs> this is. He talks about his yeah. cursed mark that's killing him. Yep. And he should just kill himself and get it over with. Right. And then, like... Yeah, I, I think <laughs> the thing that I took from this, and I think what I want to notice, or I want, I want everyone to kind of notice about what I took from this is how it, I'm not gonna go into like a long, you know, a long story about like what I've been through these last couple of months in terms of like, uh, in terms of like, uh, I've had kind of like a universe kick. So mm -hmm. it's been kind of fun. Um, so that's kind of like in the forefront of my mind and that's sort of how I interpret this. Yeah. So use what's been in the forefront of your mind to interpret this. Of course. And Context. allow it to assign it meaning. That, that vulnerability, that that's ability that. to bring yourself into your art. That's right. That's right. So, you know, what the music to me kind of sounds like, or what it kind of feels like, is it. it is. It is what's holding and propping up all of this stuff that's mm -hmm. happening, right? So we see Ashitaka, he's struggling. He can kind of feel his, he can kind of feel his, uh, his scar acting up. He is, he, but in the same breath, he's also noticing, you know, he's, he loves Sun, you know, yeah. and he's he's you know it, it, he he's connected to her, and he uh, he feels that, and there yeah. and it's like a it's just a very much like matter of fact. Um, the other piece of it too, when it comes time for him to start talking to the Wolf God, her feelings are matter of fact. All of this is very solidified. This is the way it is. 
And I think that that's why the music holds it all together so well, because everything is so matter of fact. San's going this way. Ashitaka's going kind of this way. The wolf god's kind of going this way. And the world and the platform and the space is propping all of that up. So allowing it to sort of be in terms of like it's predictable, it's melodic, you know, this is the space around us. It's it's the beauty at the core of the world. Yes. Kind of thing. I, I love that. I, mm-hmm. I would never would have thought of it if you hadn't put it that way. Mm-hmm. But it's because that, that, that is a driving kind of pillar in the story is that, all right, so the spirits think that the spirit world is beautiful and perfect and that the humans need to be destroyed because they're mm-hmm. ruining it. Right. The humans think that their world is beautiful and wonderful and the spirits are stopping them from doing it. So the spirits need to be destroyed. So basically spirits think the world would be better without humans. Humans think the world would be better without spirits. And Ashitaka, who got cursed by a demon earlier, has been traveling the world just trying to view things without any prejudice, without any hatred. That's what he was tasked with. Mm -hmm. To travel the world and see it without eyes clouded with hatred. And so he sees all the violence and evil that the humans are doing. Right. But he also sees the beautiful humanity. That Mm -hmm. Lady Eboshi, yes, she's burning down the forest. She's creating weapons that are killing spirits. But she's the only person who cares for the lepers. Mm -hmm. She's the only person who's gone through all the brothels and freed these women and given them a second chance at life. She's the only one who views them all as equal and cares for them, genuinely, all the people in her village. So there's beauty in that village. There's beauty in that world. The spirits see all this violence and they're trying to kill the humans. They're trying to get rid of them, but they see the beauty in their world. You talk about like the beauty about this wolf goddess who loves her adopted daughter, Princess Mononoke, Mm -hmm. like also known as Sun. And there, there's there's this underlying theme that the, the, all the characters are driven by their love for the people that they care about. And this music kind of captures that beautifully. That even though there's all this violence, even though there's all this kind of... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, divisiveness or like battle. There's all this conflict, conflict going on. Yeah. All of it at the core is motivated by this kind of love. And that's what Ashitaka is saying. It's like, look, can't we just get past this violence why can't we just create this ideal why can't we acknowledge that the humans are building these villages and pushing forward as a way to take care of their loved ones the spirits are fighting against the humans as a way to take care of their loved ones it doesn't have to be all or nothing it doesn't have to be one side versus another side and so this music really kind of speaks to the ideals of what it could be the beauty at the core of the world if people weren't just so wrapped up in it's my way or no way right and I really like that. Of course, yeah. we could be completely wrong. There are lyrics. Mm-hmm. I have no idea yeah, what the lyrics the are. Yeah. But I did notice that when the wolf goddess starts speaking, the lyrics cut out. The okay. vocalist is still there. But she yeah. speaks to just like... She just swaps to like do's and other kind of sounds. Vocalization. Yeah, vocalization. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You put... You make you make sense of my nonsense. I do. Um, but she... <laughs> yeah, so they swap so it doesn't again... Another trick for staying out of the way of the dialogue. So you don't have right. two different people speaking. Right, right. But that is gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really nice scene. So, yeah. But that's all I had to say about that one. So Really? Mm-hmm. You have nothing else? Nothing else. I no. feel like there's so much we could unpack here. There is a lot to unpack. Yep, there is a lot to <sighs> unpack. But that was the big piece of it. You know, yeah. I, finding the meaning, uh, you know, and, and allowing the meaning to be. I think yep. is really the uh, is is really the take home and, and really kind of allowing what needs to be propped up to be propped up. So and I will say that's an advantage of working with a director or a collaborator because mm-hmm. uh, there's no way 
I would have thought to do that. There's no mm-hmm. way I would have thought that that's at the core of this scene. I would have scored it very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, probably, I don't know how I would have scored it, but I would have done it differently, I know. Yeah. Um, but when you're working with the director and the director or the writer, whoever's in charge of the project you're working on, mm-hmm. who's taken the time to do this. So I've worked on plays where the writer is the person I'm answering to because yeah. we don't have a director yet. They're writing the script and they want the music to go with the script. So the writer's in charge. Most of the time with movies, it's a director. Mm-hmm. Depends on what when you're brought into the project, what project you're working on stuff. But when you have a collaborator, someone who understands the story deeply and loves what they're doing. Hmm. It gives you the chance to go deeper. More so than just yourself. Right. And so, I mean, you can still do stuff yourself. But it's just really cool to see why it's a composite art form. Why we don't have more people trying to do everything by themselves. Because mm-hmm. you get more perspectives. And the more perspectives you get, the more personal you can make it to the story. Exactly. All right. yeah. This is beautiful. Mm-hmm. All right. So we have one last scene. One more. Yeah. One more. And this one is the boars charging into battle. All mm-hmm. right. So... As you listen to this, I want you to pay attention to the music and notice that it's distinctly non-melodic in nature. That doesn't mean it's non-motivic, but it's non-melodic. What we're going to talk about is how there are alternatives to themes. Not all themes need to be melodic. Mm -hmm. In fact, there are four different types of themes that you can work with. So we're going to go into that. But for now, I want you to just appreciate the music and just think about what you think the reasoning behind it was. Mm -hmm. You two stay with Sean. I must go to the forest spirit. Right, let's go. We'll stop there. All right. I love this music because it's motivic. And it's, mm-hmm. it's an example of what we were talking about earlier. It's repetitive. Mm-hmm. Right? And because it's repetitive, after it's been established a couple of times, it fits very nicely into the background. It no longer, yes. it doesn't distract you. But one of the really cool things, the lessons I think that a young composer can take from this is that your melody is not your only tool for themes. Mm-hmm. All right. So we've talked about the importance of sound palettes before, the use of instruments, pitch collections, things like that, to help create a world for a specific part of the story. Mm -hmm. And here we have the boards, which are a very ancient and primal and proud race of spirits and animals, right? So what we get is a very proud, primal, and kind of primitive sound, very rhythm and drums are the most ancient form of music we have, Mm -hmm. that and singing. And so it makes sense to use that as the basis of the boards theme and it's very rhythmic in nature which works perfectly for fitting into the background and prepping for like this battle that the boars are preparing themselves for they realize that the humans there's gonna be one last clash the humans are gonna push for a final stand the spirits are gonna push for a final stand and the boars are determined they're either going to wipe these humans out of the forest or they're going to all die to the last one trying so it makes sense to kind of have a battle kind of war type drums now, the lesson I want to point here is, like I said a couple times, your melody is not the only option. In fact, there are four fundamental types of themes you can work with. 
Those aren't the only types, but the four most fundamental. You've got melody, which is the one everybody thinks of when they think of themes. But you have rhythm, like this, where you can create a rhythmic theme, a rhythmic melody. Uh, another more modern example is Dune. Dune has that crazy little drum fill that pops in and out. That's a rhythmically based motif, rhythmically based theme. There is also a, a harmonic motif where you can use a specific chord relationship. Maybe it's two chords that you really like together and you combine them one after the other. That can be a motif as long as you repeat it frequently. And the fourth one, and most abstract in my opinion, is a timbre-based motif or theme, which is where you only use a sound or basic, or maybe a sound quality as your mm -hmm. theme. So one version is, so you can do more of a like pitch timbre motif where you pick an interval between two notes that you really like, and then you create, pick an instrument that you think works really well. Hans Zimmer did that for the Batman. You have the French horns going, mm -hmm. they get loud, then quiet. That's a timbre-based motif. It's one interval, I believe a minor third. I'm terrible at recognizing intervals though, as I've said multiple times. And it's played by French horns. The most important part of that is the French horns coming in quiet, starting quiet, getting loud, hitting the second note, and then fading back out. That's a motif. Another version that's a bit more abstract is the Prowler theme mm -hmm. from Daniel Pemberton's score to Into the Spider-Verse, where the timbre isn't even an instrument. It's an elephant that he recorded and then processed with mm -hmm. a bunch of different synths and plugins to create this really creepy, unnerving sound for the villain. Mm. And that's a timbral-based motif. You can use a sound as your theme. And these kinds of decisions, they come down to a lot of things. It could be your own personal style. Maybe you just don't feel comfortable with timbral-based motifs. They don't work for you, so you focus mm. on melody. Right. Maybe you're a percussionist like you, and so you really enjoy rhythmic ideas, so you just gravitate towards rhythmic motifs. Mm. Or maybe you started with sound design, so you do love timbres. Um, maybe you're comfortable with all of them, in which case it could really depend on the project you're working with. So maybe your melody, you want to have something lush and melodic for like the mm -hmm. sound, or maybe you're working with something more cutting edge, something more artistic, and you want to try something new. So you might do a timbre based, create a new sound no one's heard before and have that be the theme. But there's a lot more versatility, a lot more options you can have available to you once you realize that you're not limited to only melody. You can explore those four different options. Melody, rhythm-based themes, harmonically-based themes, and timbrally-based themes. Mm -hmm. But that's just kind of like the last little little tidbit I wanted to share. Do you have anything you'd like to say about this scene? No, I, I mean, nothing that I don't think has already been said. But, you know, yeah. in terms of, like, kind of propping the scene up, I think it does a really good job of, you know, you can kind of select the mood that you want to use to prop up the scene. Yeah. And the mood here is, I mean... The words that come to mind is things are happening, things yes. are moving, like big things, big things mm -hmm. are moving. Um, it's a little bit of a winding up, you know, there is a mm -hmm. little bit of a winding up, but it's also like a curiosity. Yes. It's like, what's going to happen? Yeah, like what's going to happen? This is, yeah. There's a lot of cool like stuff going on. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, that's all I think I got for that one. I think that's it. I think we kind of burned ourselves out with that discussion on vulnerability. Uh, yeah. we, we, we spent so much time on that. And then we're like, oh, we got to hurry through the others. Because we do have a time. We do have a time constraint today. Mm -hmm. um, but this was a wonderful movie. Mm -hmm. All right. I love this movie. I'm so glad I got to share it with you. Um, so thank, I'm glad we got to share it with all of you who are yeah. listening and or watching. Speaking mm -hmm. of which, as we wrap up another episode, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. 
whatever you're listening on, whether it's YouTube, subscribe, Spotify, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, subscribe. If you have all of them, mm-hmm. subscribe to all of them. Yes. Rate us because those ratings do so wonderful. Five stars. Yes, please. <laughs> Um, if you want to give us a low rating, don't rate us. Yep. Uh, we encourage get, you. We to. encourage you not to. We encourage <laughs> yeah. you to. Yes. Uh, I don't know. Exercise uh, curiosity and wait. Yes. Wait for another episode. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but give us high ratings, please, and of course, share. Mm-hmm. All right. Share the podcast. That is the number one thing you can do to help us grow. And if you have ideas, if you'd like us to see us do something differently, or just let us know what you like that we do and you'd like to see more of. Give us feedback, all right? We've got a form you can follow up with. If, if you're on YouTube, it's in the comments below. Mm-hmm. If you are listening on any of our other platforms, follow me on Instagram, at Tabletop Composer. Find my Instagram, and in the link in my bio there, you'll find the form to give us feedback. We do read it. We do listen to things today that we focused on. Um, straight from the feedback is, uh, personally, I focus more on actual tools mm-hmm. and... Uh, things that you can find for film scoring. People wanted to learn more about that, so I focused more on scoring under dialogue. I talked about growth in music, and I talked about different types of themes you can work with. And something we both did based on the feedback was basically prime you to what we're going to talk about. You notice that for most of the scenes today, we started out saying, by the way, pay attention to this. Look for this. That was a request that we got in the forum to let Mm -hmm. people know what we're going to talk about and what to look for in the scene. So if you have ideas, feedback, Fill out the form. Let us know. Or if you don't have the form, just send me an email at tabletopcomposer or tabletopcomposer at gmail.com. Shoot me an email. Let me know what you think. We'd be happy to hear from you. Mm-hmm. But um, do you have anything you'd like to say? No, no. Just thanks for showing this to me. Now I got to add another one to my collection. Wonderful. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. So mm-hmm. as usual, my friends, take care. Keep studying. Keep working hard and keep writing new music. We will see you in the next video. <laughs> have a good one.